0: This episode of Paranormal Perception is made possible with support from Unearthing the Supernatural. They're a team of Native American paranormal investigators, and you can watch their investigations on their YouTube channel. Just look for Unearthing the Supernatural. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the upcoming Season 3 episodes. Paranormal Perception is produced by 22Creations Multimedia, LLC. Why did you choose to listen to this show? simply because it has the word Paranormal in it? Well, you should know that even though it does have the word Paranormal, it's not just about ghosts and demons and things that go bump in the night. We'll also talk about things that really will make you think, really will give you a new perception on the paranormal. So, if you want to know? Keep listening. If all you're looking for is EVP's I heard a knock I saw an apparition I think I heard a voice I investigated Again And again And again And again And again And again And another investigation And another And one more investigation And another investigation Now you know what Paranormal Perception is all about. Still with me? Then let's begin. What is real? How do you define real? Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? this show is your red pill for all topics in the paranormal parapsychology demons disclosure restless souls conspiracy revelations prophecy cryptocurrencies, strange creatures the metaverse this is the world that you know this is your guide through the new normal for the new decade On this show, paranormal doesn't just mean things that go bump in the night. It means a new perception on the paranormal. A Paranormal paranormal Perception perception with Henry Henry San San Miguel. Miguel. That's me. Welcome to Paranormal Perception. So today, we yeah, I, I got a little surprise for you. I won't tell you what it is because then it wouldn't be a surprise, would it? So <laughs> welcome to Paranormal Perception. Before we get going with the guest and that little surprise, a uh, couple of things. Number one, thanks again. Uh, it slowed down a little bit, but that's a good thing. Our new Facebook is, is up there, Facebook slash Paranormal Perception. If you want to find out more about the show, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I do respond a little bit, maybe somebody on the team will respond to some of your questions. Still getting some weird requests and questions. We just delete those. Don't even listen to them. But Facebook.com/slash paranormal perception. I mean, what else would it be under, right? And the other thing is, I'm still, I've got a couple, but I'm still, I'm still looking for. I'm gonna make it fair. I'm gonna let, let's let's put a date on it. What's the date today? Um Let's. uh let's say to the beginning of March, we're almost there, what, a week and a half, a couple weeks to go. Uh, The beginning of uh, the first week in March, we'll make our decision. I've gotten a couple of um, emails, but still looking for a voice to voice. Paranormal Perception 360, the uh, the news feature you're about to hear in a second. Uh, I mean, again, I can do it. You're about to hear me do it. It's just too much me, 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 me doing the sponsors, me doing the interviews, me doing everything. So I figured, you know what, let me get a new voice for Paranormal Perception 360. I've gotten a couple, like I said, but uh, go ahead and send them in. Again, you don't have to have any experience. You don't have to be a podcaster or a broadcaster. You used to be a broadcaster. Uh, it doesn't matter. If you can talk, if you can understand what you're saying when you talk, that's all you need. Uh, you don't do any work. doesn't change your life dramatically doing this. It's not going to um, take up any of your time other than three minutes every week talking about paranormal stuff, and I, I, I find the topics. I, I write the script. I send it to you. All you got to do, again, three minutes, we, we'll connect on a Zoom call, or you just send it to me over your phone, and there it is. You hear yourself on Paranormal Perception. Now, the two emails that I did get, they asked for some clarification, so I'm assuming I wasn't clear about it. Let me be crystal clear. Doing this, voicing this, um, this uh, p- feature also automatically makes you a part of the team the Paranormal Perception on-air team. So even though you won't be doing interviews, I mean, you, you might, we can talk about that, but even though you won't be doing interviews, you will be heard on every single episode. So like I said, automatically makes you part of the team. So yes, when we cover para, para conferences, when we cover any events, when we do our own OC Paracon, when that happens, you, you'll be at every single one. I didn't mention this last week. OC Paracon, that also means you will be hosting. You know, you, you, obviously you're going to see me up on the stage. I'm the face and the voice of Paranormal Perception. But since you're part of the on-air team, and so is Hero and Sean Clan as the uh, Paranormal Consultants, you'll see us up there introducing some of the speakers, moderating, asking the questions, uh, doing the Q&A in front of a live audience. So keep that in mind because that's what it means. It's not just doing the, uh, the weekly Paranormal Perception 360 feature you're also going to be a big part of the live events that we do. So, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to voice them and be a part of the Paranormal Perception on our team, henry at show. That's the email, henry at show. So, speaking of Paranormal Perception 360, a short one this week, and then we'll start with the guests. Paranormal Perception 360. So just three stories for you this week, but they're all pretty interesting. Let's get started with a 17th century chapel in Wales has gone up for auction, and depending on who you believe, the property comes with a rather unsettling feature. A spectral hound is said to haunt the grounds of the chapel and its graveyard. Long-standing local legend says that at some point in the distant past, the then minister of the chapel found himself being pursued by a huge black dog, and when the dog caught up with him, the man of the cloth was forced to strike the hound with a bible in order to keep it at bay as the story goes the blow from the holy book wound up causing the creepy canine to burst into flames which burned the minister's beard and seemingly confirmed that the beast was supernatural perhaps even demonic in nature in a century since people living in the area have shared stories of the ghost dog said to reside within the chapel grounds now with the promise of possibly encountering an otherworldly creature This Welsh chapel would be quite appealing to ghost hunters and paranormal investigators who have grown bored with pursuing spirits of the human variety. A group of astrobiologists published a paper in the International Journal of Astrobiology where they posed the question, if a planet like Earth can be alive, can it also have a mind of its own? Their answer is yes, because of what they call planetary intelligence, which describes the collective knowledge and cognition of an entire planet. The researchers point to evidence that underground networks of fungi can communicate to suggest that large-scale networks of life could form a vast invisible intelligence that profoundly alters the condition of the entire planet. A magnificent coronal mass ejection was recorded by NASA's Stereo A spacecraft in the early hours of February 15. CMEs are giant eruptions that send plasma flying through space and our sun has undergone several of them throughout this month. If they hit Earth. The plumes of material can trigger geomagnetic storms that knock out satellites and disrupt power grids. Fortunately, this week's CME was fired from the side of the sun that faces away from our planet. And so, there's no threat, says astronomer Dr. Tony Phillips. So there are the quick three stories for the week. Now let's get to the guest and a little surprise for you after that. Paranormal Perception 360 Unearthing the Supernatural are a team of Native American investigators taught in the old ways of spiritual combat and healing. They answer the call from people and spirits who ask for their aid. Join them on their investigations and see the old ways of how the gifted communicate with the undead. But be warned, some investigations will be intense. Viewer discretion is advised. Visit youtube.com slash unearthingthesupernatural to learn more about the team, watch seasons one and two, and the upcoming new episodes for season three. In the words of Hero, one of the founding members, we are unearthing the supernatural. We are few of many, one story of
1: thousands. Let us hear yours.
0: You the red pill you need for a new perception of the normal. Paranormal perception continues with Henry San Miguel. John Olson has spent the last 25 years interviewing and documenting first-hand accounts of those who've witnessed all kinds of strange and unusual phenomena in the Western United States. The Stranger Bridgeland book series contains first-hand accounts of everything from ghosts, monsters, and hauntings, to glitches in the Matrix, sauce, Sasquatch, and UFOs. In other words, everything I cover here on Paranormal Perception. All of you can learn more about John, buy his books, and see interviews, every, every, everything John Olson on his website, Strangerbridgeland.com, And yes, there's a link on the show description and on the website if you're there. John, welcome to Paranormal Perception. How are you doing?
2: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you about paranormal things
0: yeah i appreciate you taking the time to, to to talk to us so before we get into the books let me let me start with you actually your story uh, how how were you introduced into the paranormal how and when did that happen
2: so uh, it was really early on for me um the home i grew up in uh, was actually built in 1883 so it was really old um, yeah. originally built by the railroad and uh, back back in the day when uh, the railroad was being built and the government would pay the railroad by giving them land. And then they would parcel off that land to build things on it, and sell it to people coming across the West to settle. And this was, you know, originally built way back then. And my parents had purchased it. It had actually been in my family on my dad's side since the 1920s. Mm. But by the time I was about eight years old, I guess, um, right around there, I, I found I figured out that you know things were going on in my house that didn't happen at my friend's house. And in talking with my older sister and my brother and my parents a little bit, you know, we I came to realize my house was haunted, which was not you know unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I you know it was weird to find out that that was unusual, I guess, but. Uh, that just spurred me on, and so I read everything I could got my get my hands on uh, i uh would listen to anything I could or watch. I remember watching over and over again the old uh in search of with uh, Leonard me yeah. what's one of my favorite stuff and uh just as I got older uh, into my teen years when I was in high school, my friends figured out that my house was haunted and I started being the one that would tell stories at parties and and on dates. And before long, I had people coming to me and telling me their stories because they felt safe because they knew I'd had my own experiences. And it just kind of grew from there. So I started collecting stories and eventually writing books.
0: Yeah, over the, over the years, I've noticed that that's usually everybody's, if, if, you know, some, some had a, an experience, you saw an apparition or something, but most people grew up in a haunted house. And they, they didn't know until they got a little bit older. I mean, for me, not where I live now, but in the, in the childhood home that I grew up, I call it the haunted mansion. I mean, I could tell you stories and you could probably write another another entire book just <laughs> on everything that happened there. And it wasn't until yeah. the end when I, we were getting ready to sell it that I had an actual psychic and some investigators come in because I said, "Yeah, I, you know, I want to know what's going on with this house. I don't want to leave with a mystery there. Found, come to find out there was a portal in the house. So that explained why, you know, everybody saw and heard kind of like you're saying with your friends, all kinds of stuff and people disembodied voices, footsteps all over the house my entire life there. And then in the uh, in the basement area, there was a guy that that was apparently he'd been living there for well, living, quote unquote, I guess I'm living now, <laughs> but he was there since the uh, Civil War era and he'd lost a son in the Civil War. He had a younger son, which I think explains why a lot of people saw the, the uh what they saw was a little boy running around, um, and, and and he had a daughter. and He told, and we caught it on EVPs. We got his whole story. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be a thing. It seems that the older the building, the house, it's a pretty good chance it's going to be haunted. So yeah, not not surprised to hear you that. That's how you you're you know built eighteen. When was it the eighteen hundreds? Yeah, eighteen
2: eighty-three. Yeah, it was one of the original homes built in this town. uh, Yeah, the the town I grew up in. So,
0: yeah, and I've heard you mention in other interviews that that I listened to before we're doing this one. You said that your parents didn't want to talk about the haunted part of your home. Did did they ever tell you why they didn't want to talk about it?
2: Yeah, you know, like I said, it was a small town that I grew up in, and um you know, back then, now that we have, like, you've got ghost adventurers and and ghost hunters, and it's a little bit more accepted. Yeah. But back then, I think they, well, they've told me they were just really afraid that people would talk about us and (laughs) gossip about us and and think that we were crazy um, by talking about it. And it's interesting because my mother admitted it to me and the kids that it was haunted, but that we weren't supposed to talk about it outside the house. For Mm -hmm. a long time, my dad was in denial like he's like no our house is not haunted don't tell people that <laughs> but then later on in life as i got older I, I found out that my parents were having experiences at the same time we were as well but they didn't share them with us at the time because you know you don't want to scare the kids but yeah it, it it was interesting because growing up you know and and having those experiences since i was little um i didn't the paranormal doesn't scare me necessarily if i hadn't have an experience there my parents still live in the house so they still have experiences there but uh yeah so i think it was mostly just the fact that you know they didn't want people to think we were crazy at the time so <laughs> they've since opened up and and they're very open about it now so
0: do you remember when how old you were when you had your first experience and what that was
2: um i remember you know, ever since being little, that um, me and my—I have a sister that's four years older, a brother that's one year younger, and we had what we called the stair monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and we called it that because there was there's one staircase that goes from the main level up to the second level where our bedrooms were. And oddly enough, you, like this would never be okay now by um, <laughs> the building code because it's it's really a steep staircase but i remember from being very little and hearing people run up and down the stairs um little kids running up and down the stairs and heavy footsteps up and down the stairs and so we just kind of called that the stair monster and that's one of the first ones i remember is um is hearing the footsteps and voices every once in a while um, and then it just kind of went from there the older i got the, i had a, a, a few um full body apparitions and um some stranger things like, uh, stuff going missing. I remember th- this is one that uh, always sticks in my mind is I had a little toy airplane that I was playing with in the kitchen and I set it on the counter and turned around and got a drink of water. And when I turned back, the airplane's gone and in its place was a cap gun. <laughs> and I looked at it and it, it mean, it's cast. It's a cast metal cap gun. And I took it to my mom and told her what happened. And she said, she looked at it and it was from the 20s, like 1920s, this cap gun. She said, just go play with this, I guess, now. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, there was all kinds of varied things that, that went on in the house as uh, I grew up.
0: When your parents finally admitted that they were having experiences, were they having this, the same experiences or, what, or what, were they, what were they experiencing?
2: Yeah, a lot of them were the same experiences. Um, I, remember, I remember I came home from school one day and... Um, in the house in the center of the house was the only bathroom at the time and it had an entrance from the main room and then an entrance from my parents room and I come home and my dad had ripped the door out on my parents side of the, the bathroom and was walling it up and I said I'm like why are you doing why are why are we doing this and my dad was like we, we just want it this way and so I you gotta help me so I helped him build a wall and it wasn't until later I found out that my mother and dad would wake up in the middle of the night and the door would be open to the bathroom. And um, this this apparition that we saw all the time, which was a tall man, uh, tall, skinny guy with overalls and white shirt and a wide brim hat, he would be standing in the bathroom watching them sleep. Mm-hmm. And so my mom would, thought, well, you know, if we wall that off, he can't open it anymore. And So it seemed to stop at least that part for a while for my parents. So, but a lot of it was the same thing, uh, same thing that happened to us. I remember my mother's told me several times about she was in the bedroom folding clothes, and a gentleman would walk in that she would just see out of her peripheral vision, and she'd start talking to him, thinking it was my dad, and he wouldn't answer, and she would turn to look at him, you know, to ask why he won't answer, and it was that same gentleman uh, in the
0: uh, the white bathroom. Mm.
2: Yeah. And he would disappear when she turned around. So uh, a lot of the same things that we we all experienced in the house.
0: Have you ever looked into the history or try to find out who he was?
2: Yes. um, Actually, uh, when my grandmother passed away, my grandparents lived about just a block away from us. And when my grandpa had passed away and then my grandmother finally passed away and when we were cleaning out their house, which is also an older home, uh, there was an old um, picture book or um, a photo album and I just happened to pick it up and start flipping through it and I flipped over a page and I about fell over because there was an old picture of my house that I grew up in and a gentleman standing in the front and he had a white shirt overalls and a white hat. it was him hmm. and i pulled out we pulled out the picture and looked and it was actually a great great uncle of mine that had owned the house in the in 1920 uh,
1: wow. and
0: he
2: was a farmer so he's at least one of the spirits he's the one in the 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 wide brimmed hat that's there is is a relative of mine a great great uncle that that owned it so um but i know there's more than one that that is in there but I don't know where all of them fit in but I think some of them are family and some of them are from the original owners from back in 1880s and so it's just really fascinating because back in that day you didn't go to the hospital at the end you just stayed at home until you passed away and yeah and so I'm I'm wondering if that doesn't have a lot to do with why they're still there so
0: now what, what do you think it was about you? Because I was, as you're saying, this happened when you were really young, when you first got um, exposed to the, the supernatural, the paranormal, seeing spirits. Uh, like me, I was four years old when I had my first, uh, you know, I saw a full body apparition. A lot of people uh, started when they were young. Most, I'll say normal people, as you know, they run for the hills and they want nothing to do with it. They'll sell the house. What do you, and honestly with me, I, I to this day, I love I'm obviously I'm doing a show about the paranormal, but I can't explain what it was about me when I was that young that didn't. I mean, I was scared when I first saw them, but I wasn't scared to find out more about the paranormal. Why? Why are these people here? Where are they? I mean, where are they coming from? Uh, What do you think it was about you that made you not scared and actually want to find out more about the paranormal? And what is this?
2: I honestly think that growing up in the house and having as many experiences as I did, it it became normal to me. Um, I, th- I think it was, even though it's supernatural and, and paranormal, it became normal in my life because, uh, you know, we'd go months and not have any incidents. And then they would go two or three weeks where the house was very active. And um, I think I just got used to it. And for whatever reason, when I got, you know, really uh, interested in wanting to learn everything I could and just piqued my interest and got me excited, whether it was, you know, ghosts or Bigfoot or cryptids or whatever it is. And so I think it just turned me on to being very excited about the paranormal and wanting to, to hear other people's stories. Um, and. When I had an experience, especially when I was a teenager or later on in life, if I had an experience, I was more intrigued than I was afraid. But I can understand where that fear comes from because, you know, I interviewed, I've interviewed so many people. And if they're not looking for the paranormal and they don't aren't used to it, having a one time experience can be really frightening. And I can understand that completely. And it seems to have One of two effects when people have um, a paranormal experience, whatever that is, they either are frightened to death and don't want anything to do with it, or it gets them really excited about the possibilities of, you know, what this world is and and the strange part of it and opens their mind a lot and they want to know more. So, and and so I guess that I, I just wanted to know more. The more I saw, the more I wanted to know.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, going go again, kind of what I asked you a, a few minutes ago, that your parents didn't want to talk about it, and you, you told us why. For you, for John, when was your, we'll say, the, the paranormal coming out, not to your friends and family, but, like, publicly, when you finally, before the book, was was there a point where you publicly said, you know what, this is what I've, what's been happening to me, I believe in this stuff, Is there a, is there a time when you came out, quote-unquote, publicly about it? um
2: well i really think you know when i was in high school and i started telling my stories and seeing people's reaction um i i you know of course you get all different kinds of, of people's reactions but it was at one point where i was just like well this is my story and i know it's true and you can believe me or you can not believe me but uh i'm not gonna you know i kind of felt like I'm i'm not gonna be ashamed of it i'm not gonna hide it you know if people want to think i'm crazy that's fine you know i know i'm a normal person and so i think it went through stages one it was when i started telling my stories at parties and stuff and then when i started interviewing people and then later on so 7 years ago i met my wife uh, my current my my current wife and um i'd been divorced and uh, i met annie and i had to i had to admit you know she saw kind of, you know, my information and my stories and I had to come clean and say, well, I grew up in a haunted house and I interview people. And what was amazing is I hadn't written a book at that point. And she said, well, what are you going to do with all these stories? You know, why are you doing it? And I said, well, I want to write a book someday. And so she convinced me, you know, I'll help you. Let's do the, you know, get your book out. And she was a great help with that. And I think that was the first time that people outside of, um, you know kind of the norm like people i knew from whatever it was from coaching football from work at work from all of these other things that i've done was like oh i didn't know that you did this i didn't know that you believed in this and so it was kind of a big coming out as well and just being like yeah you know i had these experiences as a kid and and this got me really interested and i've been interviewing people for years and and but for the most part I I have not had a lot of negative at all, Um, whether it was from, you know, extended family or friends or anything like that. It's all been pretty positive, I have to say.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear, because I I know and I've I've talked to them on the show and their friends, a lot of uh, paranormal investigators, people in the paranormal that they have the sad part where. It's the opposite of what you what you experience, where they lose a lot of family, a lot of friends because they, what's wrong with you? You believe in that stuff, <laughs> so yeah, I've heard yeah. I've heard the other side. I'm sure you have also from other people. Um, so when when you say glitches in the matrix, when and how did you start noticing those glitches in the matrix?
2: So it really became um a thing after my first book. Uh, I had, I had gotten a few stories like that, and I at the time I really didn't know exactly what to call them because you know you have ghost stories, you have cryptid stories, you have all of these things, but um, you have things like time slips or you know doppelgangers, or a big thing too is um remembering things differently, yeah, than they really are, almost like a Mandela effect, but I, I call them a personal Mandela effect, and so. I I really are fascinated with them because they seem to be a different realm of the paranormal. Like I say, it doesn't match anything else. And as I've interviewed people and written about those things, it's amazing to me how many people have contacted me afterwards and said, Well, you know, I thought I was all alone with this weird experience I had, but, you know, it sounds like other people are having experiences where, you know, time doesn't match up or, um, My memory absolutely does not match what really is going on now. And so I I just find those really fascinating along with, you know, everything else. I I absolutely love the paranormal all the way across the board. Um, But some of the stranger stories that I that I collect are from people who uh, have just had experiences that they just cannot, you know, you know, it's hard for them to comprehend what happened.
0: Yeah, you're. Almost describing uh, 2020 to now, really. The yeah. Way it's been going. But, but yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, on this show on Paranormal Perception, yeah, I know it says paranormal and people automatically think it's ghost, demon. I mean, I cover that, but right. I also cover those topics. That's why I was interested in having you on, not just to talk to talk about the books, but about that side also. Uh, here, right. we, I refer to them as esoteric topics, is the way we call them. Mm. Um, and I do warn people, like, look, if you're looking for just ghost stories, yeah, we'll get them, especially around halloween and christmas time because i've tried to bring back that tradition um and but i also let them know that you're gonna hear other things that might be weird might be like wait how is this paranormal when you think about it and you <laughs> look into it it actually is paranormal you, right like you said you're right um, i
2: i oh sorry no go ahead i was gonna say uh, for your listeners kind of an, as an idea of uh, kind of what we're talking about um in my new book that i'm working on right now that will come out later this year. I interviewed this lady, and she was working back back east. um, And she moves around a lot for her work, and she was staying at this small town. um, And she got she found this little park that goes around this little. I guess it's almost like a lake, but a small lake. And she found it it just beautiful to go walk around that every day uh, at a break time during work. And she went out, and she was walking, and there was a couple. They came around the corner. Uh, on bicycles and they passed her and she waved at them. and they waved back and they had just dis- disappeared behind her and they came around the corner again. Um, and they stopped and looked at her and they, they, they asked her, they're like, how did you do that? And she's like, I was going to ask you the same thing. You just disappeared behind me and you just showed up here right in front of me. It was almost like a jump, a skip.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and, um, they both kind of talked for a minute couldn't figure out how and either one of them did it you know whether it was her or them or whatever it was so it's kind of stories like that that you know all of a sudden you see the same people again or or just weird things like that that seem to be like like i say glitches in the matrix so to speak
0: yeah i was gonna say literally a glitch in the matrix yeah, yeah exactly like when, in the movie like when neo sees the cat like hey deja vu <laughs> um when so when you started writing the first book, the uh, are the stories were were the stories from your friends and family, or where did you get the uh, the the encounters from? Where where do they come from? So
2: the first book, um, it's it's named Stranger Bridgerland, um, because Northern Utah and Southern Idaho and part of Wyoming that area is uh, unofficially called Bridgerland because it was originally uh, mapped by a. Uh, trapper named Jim Bridger. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of named the area Bridgerland. So I kind of named it Bridgerland because originally when I started, I was only getting local stories um, and I had to hunt them down sometimes. Sometimes people came to me or I would hear from somebody, oh, you know, this happened to my uncle or, and I would spend a lot of time hunting down that person if it was a really good story. And so my first books, you know, right around Northern Utah, It's just local stuff. But as I released the books, I've had people from all over the country and now all the way from Mexico and clear into Canada who have contacted me with their stories. And it's just kind of grown from the first book all the way out uh, to encompass North America now. So,
0: Have you started getting stories from uh, from Europe?
2: I have not yet. I, I think I do have one story. I, that's not true. I do have one story, but I have family from there, and it kind of came from there uh, that way. They contacted me, but um, I would love to get stories from outside of the United States as well, and and keep growing. Kind of just keep growing further and further out for sure.
0: Yeah, because last Friday's guest, uh, Rick McCullum, he he was talking about because he spends a lot of time in Scotland and in Europe, and he mm-hmm. was telling he was talking about how extremely extremely haunted as and every single person there seems to have a story and experience a paranormal experience
2: yeah that would be awesome i would love to do that in fact my bucket list is to do a you know a tour of uh, scotland and and the castles and a bunch of stuff like that that would definitely be on my bucket list of things to do
0: yeah do, do you know rick mccullum
2: I don't. No, not personally. I've heard of him though. So
0: yeah. Not, uh, well, because he's 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 actually going to do a trip this year finally because of COVID. You know, you couldn't really oh, go right. anywhere. But he's, they're finally going to let him go this year, and, and I think they're going in June. So maybe maybe uh-huh. something. Look that'd back. be
2: awesome. I will have to look into that for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. So going back to the books. Now that you're on your third, third, yeah, the third book now. Uh, I'm actually on the fifth book now. Uh, oh, the fifth book.
2: Yeah, so, I've got five books out, and I've got the sixth working on right now. So,
0: so even more relevant, this question is: uh, from all the stories that you get, not just from friends, family, but from uh, you know people that you don't know, they just give you the stories. Are you do you notice patterns to what they experience?
2: Yeah, I do actually. Um, it's really fascinating to me when I have somebody tell me a story, and um, it's a unique story. And then I write it and send it out, you know, and I will have people contact me and say, oh, my goodness, this, you know, thing happened to me as well. And I'll give you an example. Um, In I believe it was my second book. I wrote uh, what was called, it's called um, Not My Cousin. And it was a story of a young man who used to, you know, they camp a lot. And when he was a little kid, they were camping and with their cousins and everything. And the cousins decided to play hide and seek and he was he was the one that was supposed to go find the cousins and after he found a few he noticed that his older cousin the one that he really looked up to two years older than him was further away from camp and he his cousin was motioned for him to follow to follow him and so he went to the tree where his cousin was and his cousin was gone and now he's further up the the trail up the canyon, motioning for him to follow. And this went on. He would go to, from this tree to this tree. Before long, he realized, ah, I'm so far from camp, and his cousin still motioned to follow him. And he's finally like, no, you, we got to go back. And and so he runs back to camp. And when he gets there, his cousin's sitting there at the fire, having a having a hot dog. <laughs> And he's like, "What? Why were you? How did you get back? Why were you trying to get me to go up the canyon?" And his mother's like, "He's been here the whole time. He was hiding under the trailer when you left." And and so I I wrote that story. Something was mimicking his cousin to lure him off. And luckily, he didn't follow him all that far. Well, I, I after I published that story, I had. Many people contact me saying they had the exact same thing happen where it was either an older cousin or, you know, it mimics something that they had a connection with, whether it was a cousin or or an older brother or older sister trying to lure them away from you know, either into an abandoned building or into the woods. And it was something I'd never heard of before, but there's been a lot of people that have come to me and, and, and said, yeah, I had that same experience. So it's really fascinating to learn something like that. That one thing that you think might be a one-off story is actually being experienced by other people.
0: I don't know how you see it, but I honestly, I don't know how to look at it either. I mean, from one, uh, being a paranormal enthusiast I could say, hey, that's cool that people are seeing this. But at the same time, it seems like you said, there seems to be a little too too many, I don't know, doppelgangers. What do you want to call them that yeah. are trying to lure us away? And, and like if we follow them, where are they taking us? So I don't know yeah. if it's scary or cool. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that.
2: Right. And, you know, there's so many people that go missing in the United States that they just never find. And you just wonder it makes me wonder especially people in the wilderness like did they have that similar experience only yeah. they didn't turn around quick enough kind of a deal you just never know but it's it's really kind of a spooky situation for sure like it's cool at, from a paranormal standpoint you know it, it's you know when you're looking at it from this side but really not cool when you're on the other side of it
0: yeah it, it, i mean it could be ufo you got abducted you, you didn't you don't know yeah uh, really now, don't. from from the books and everything and everyone you've talked to at this point, have your has John's views on how you see the paranormal has that changed in any way?
2: Um, you know, I, I'm still fascinated with it. I I don't, you know, I'm still looking for answers like everybody else. Um, I guess, uh, just it, it's amazing to me how. Strange, the paranormal really is, because when I first started studying when I was a kid, you had the Loch Ness monster and you had ghosts and you had Bigfoot, and there's just so many other things that have that have sprung up or become, um, you know, more relevant, at, or at least come to my attention. That just when I think I've heard everything, I there's a few more things that come up, and I'm just fascinated by it. It just the realm of the paranormal is. Is so vast; um, it, it just amazes me. So that's really how my perspective has changed—just how vast the paranormal really is.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. That's why I do this this show. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you here in the studio. I'm looking I'm looking right at it. In fact, uh, I don't know if you remember this. I I think it's from the late '70s, '80s. The Reader's Digest, they used to put out this, this series called Mysteries of the Unexplained, similar yes. in book form, similar to uh, In Search of. I remember that also. But I have this here because this book that I have covers pretty much everything. UFOs, cryptids, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, uh, uh, human combustion, all kinds of weird things. And now that I know more, or, or at least I understand more, maybe I don't know everything, and the guests that that come on, they they share their experience, their knowledge. I like to go back to this and see how our perception—no pun intended there—how <laughs> our perception on the paranormal has changed from when this book was written to what we understand now. And yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm exactly like that. All, and I love talking to you know guests like you and everybody that comes on and talks about the uh, the paranormal. So, um, you met- you mentioned the book. Uh, besides that, do you have anything else? coming up this year that we should look for?
2: Yeah, um last year I was lucky my wife and I put on an paranormal expo here in northern Utah. And I had some speakers come in and I spoke and we had booths and just a lot of things going on. Oh, it was in person? And yeah, yeah, so it was um open to the public, mm. but um yeah, we had we had speakers come in and um and it went really well, so we're doing that again. We've actually expanded it to a deep 2 two-day um two-day event here in Northern Utah, October 14th and 15th. So we're working hard on that. We're ca- we call it Para-X uh, here in Northern Utah. And so I've been working really hard on that, working hard on uh, my, technically my next two books because, uh, you know, I'm working on one book and, and another at the same time. They're both the paranormal books and just keeping busy like that. So i uh, I just tell everybody, you know, keep an eye out for my sixth book in in August, and, and in, if you're close to Northern Utah, come check out Para X, uh, in Logan, Utah is where it'll be. And, um, so yeah, I just keep busy like that. You know, you know how it is. Uh, you, I'm sure you keep really busy with the podcast and and keeping up on everything paranormal that's going on. So
0: yeah, I was gonna say yeah, I really do know because, and that's why I was saying in person. And yeah, you are lucky. We were, we were going to do um, Orange County Paracon and o- OC Paracon, is what I call it. Because mm-hmm. when I moved here to Southern California, I looked around and realized that, shockingly to me, honestly, that there hasn't been, a, there's been, you know, like Midsummer Scream, horror film festivals, because it's Hollywood, but there hasn't been, like, like Para X, like, an actual para- paranormal conference where you have paranormal experts come in and speak. There hasn't been one in LA or in Orange County in a long, long, long time. So I said, why not? Yeah. So I put that together, but because of COVID and, you know, and right. I live in California, we weren't allowed to, to do anything. We're going to do it in person this year. So yeah, I know exactly what you and your wife are going through, putting together a pair of eggs. So uh, knowing that, you know, uh, is there a website or where can people go to, to find out more? So
2: on my, on my, website uh, strangerbridgeland.com there's a link there uh, there's a page dedicated to it I'll have I'll be announcing some guests uh, throughout this spring and and other things that are going on I'm I'm really hoping to to have a day in the summer beforehand that will um, produce a day where we go anybody that wants to will be able to go with us and we're going to clean up uh, an area whether it's a park or a river just do some garbage cleanup and give people who want to volunteer to do that, you know, some, some, like, um, some, oh, what do you call it? Uh, money off on the tickets and stuff like that. Try and get people involved on that. And so, yeah, just stay on strangerbridgeland dot com, and, and you, the, all the information is there. So,
0: yeah, you can give them a discount on that. You know, yeah. I've noticed what what they also really like, believe it or not, it, it's not money, but. For some people, especially Paranormal Enthusiasts, it actually is worth more to them. If you have Pair t-shirts, they love those more as a th- as a thank
2: you. Yeah, we're hoping. To, we, we had some last year. We had some swag last year, and we're hoping to kind of do that a little bit more uh, this year as well. Some t-shirts, bags, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, they really like that. Um, you know, last year when we were able to do it, and I was really worried that we weren't because of um, COVID. Yeah. But uh, Utah's a little bit more lax than California, luckily for for the meet the personal meetups which was good but um, it went really well and you know being the first time I was really nervous because you know you never know but we had close to 800 people and no incidents it was just you know the paranormal community is just great people and I I I love meeting them you know face to face and it was amazing and um, we're looking forward to it again this year so
0: yeah, that that honestly, that's part of the reason why I want to want to put on OC Paracon. Also, is that yeah, we can get you know speakers like you or you know other people, uh, other experts that that, and I know them obviously from the show. But mm-hmm. what I really love is meeting listeners, meeting people that just have an interest in the paranormal, and to them seeing in their face that they find kind of like the story that you were telling when you you finally started speaking at and at your high school about your your experiences. Kind of, they feel safe because they know they're. Everyone is there because they've either had an experience or they want to know more about the paranormal. So they feel a lot safer speaking about, yeah, my uncle came to visit me last night. Oh, really? Tell me more. They don't. It, so they feel safe and they and sometimes they make lifelong friends from paranormal yes. conferences. So that's what I love putting those on and going to them.
2: Yeah, it is. It's really great. You meet like-minded people and, and like you say, people feel safe uh, sharing their stories. So yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I really, I really love doing that.
0: Yeah, so um, uh, we mentioned them already, but go ahead and give them your website, social media, if you if you want them to follow you there. But go, give them everything where they can follow everything that's coming up for you.
2: So yeah, just uh, strangerbridgeland.com. Everything's right there. You can get a hold of me through social media. Uh, it's got all my social media links and and information about Parax. And um, if if any of your listeners have a story that they would like to share with me, they can contact me through there as well. I'm still collecting stories. Plan on doing this as long as I can, and and so yeah. And if they just want to drop a line and say hi, I appreciate that as well. So
0: now you've opened the floodgates, John. Cause, <laughs> well, we, we did we did it for Halloween, and then we did it for Christmas because you know that, that used to be a tradition where we used to tell ghost stories uh, in uh, on Christmas trying to bring it back here on the show at least and it was a huge hit and I got a bunch of story, recorded stories, people were sent in songs, all kinda of things, uh spooky things that to, to share on Christmas and on Halloween. So now that you said that, prepare for a wave of emails coming awesome. your way.
2: That's awesome. I love to hear from people. So that'll be great.
0: Yeah. So again it's John Olson. Thanks a lot, John, for coming on and, and, and seriously I mean you know just uh, email me. You any anything that you need uh, you want me to talk about parax or anything you need for it I, like i said i know how much work it takes uh I'll, I'll help you in any way i can
2: oh so thank you so much we really appreciate that
0: okay and thanks a lot again for coming on thank you reserve the first weekend in october for paranormal perceptions first ever live event orange county paracon after a virtual event last year we're ready to meet you all in person we'll be looking for sponsors in these first few months of the year. Sponsoring OC Paracon will get your company, book, or product in front of your target audience, a very interested group of paranormal enthusiasts. The earlier you come on board as a sponsor, the more we can offer you as a sponsor. You'll be all over the marketing materials at OC Paracon, but you'll also get produced ads in the Paranormal Perception episodes leading up to OC Paracon, a sponsor page on our website, and mentions on both the show and OC Paracon's social media accounts. Be a sponsor for this one-of-a-kind event. There have been no paranormal conferences in the L.A. or Orange County area, so there will be a lot of excitement and interest in this event. Become a sponsor today by sending an email to henry at Perception.show. OC Paragon will take place on the weekend of October 1st and 2nd in Anaheim, California. Now back to Paranormal Perception We are back on Paranormal Perception. Okay, like I said, a little surprise for you. The surprise is, no, not my birthday. That was uh, about a month ago. No, the surprise is, I'm, I welcomed them last last week. They weren't on the show. You didn't hear them. But we do have somebody that has, I don't want to use the word replaced, because it's hard to just because of who he was. But when Doug Carnahan was our uh, paranormal consultant, he he would come on every now and then, and... Either correct me on things I said or add some, some of his uh, experience, some of his knowledge. We have some new ones. We have two this time. It takes two to replace Doug Carnahan. And I told you it's Hero Sean Clan from Unearthing the Supernatural. You get to hear them today in their new role as paranormal consultants. First of all, Hero Sean Clan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, so, to be here, Henry. So what I want to do for this uh, last segment for this week is I wanted to I want I don't want to talk about what the guest just talked about. He was he was fine on his own. Uh, but I want to what well, I want to talk about something that I have noticed uh, the the last time. Ironically, we were all together at the last conference we did was Vulture City Paracon uh, in Vulture City, and I felt it there. I felt it before at other events that we've done, and when I've when I've done investigations, a lot of people have said it. Patty Negri, a friend of mine and you guys know her also now, she comes on the show a lot. She said this also, and, and that is the, she calls it the paranormal post-funk, where after a conference, even up to a day, two days, you, everybody that goes there, especially after an investigation, a really intense one, you feel drained, drained energy-wise, emotionally. So I wanted to have both of you come on and, and talk about why is that? Why, why do we feel, especially after a pair conference where you're not even really investigating, but just a pair conference? Why do, what, what are we feeling when we feel that, that post funk?
1: Yeah, so us at things Supernatural, uh, we kind of use the term paranormal or supernatural hangover. And kind of what that feeling is, is I guess the best way to describe it is you feel completely drained. Your energy levels are down. You got like a headache, and a lot of it is very similar to, I guess, an alcoholic hangover. And it's an interesting kind of concept, an interesting feeling when you start feeling drained, you're tired, you're just not wanting to, you really just don't feel yourself. So, on the spiritual sense, what's really happening is you utilize a lot of your energy to kind of cross planes and bring worlds together. And the spirits did the same thing. And they, in a sense, kind of harvest a little bit of energy from you, from the location. And um, I guess a way how we like to describe it is you go into the spaceship, you go into another world. And when we, when we perform our ceremonies or we, when we interact with beings of the other side, It is like going into a spaceship and you go to another world, you're interacting on a completely different plane. And when you come back, it's jet lag, hangover. You feel the, the, the dehydration, the tiredness, the, I guess the brain fog, you feel all of this. And it's very prominent, especially at paranormal conventions, because it's not just you and the spirits that are interacting. It's all these other people and the energies that they bring to create an entirely different environment. So I'll have my brother kind of discuss his little aspect into it, his little opinions. It.
3: Yeah, so it's, it's very, it's different when it comes to person to person. And from my experience, this is ever since we started investigating and even before we even started unearthing the supernatural, when I would go to ceremonies as a young child, It's normally there are steps you take afterwards to kind of help cure uh, the quote unquote spiritual investigation hangover that you have, because just like how Hero said, you are interacting with beings of another world and that does exercise a new muscle, I guess you could say in your body that typically people aren't used to exercising.
0: Now, I forgot to ask you this, but uh, I think you mentioned to me, correct me if I'm wrong, after Vulture City, did you tell me that was you guys' first Paracon as a team?
1: Yeah, actually, that was our first Paracon as a team. And it was an amazing event. It was amazing to feel everyone's energy and the huge amount of people that are there for pretty much a common purpose. And for us, it, it was a new feeling because we had a little bit more responsibility than what we're usually kind of taking on when we go paranormal investigating. We were helping kind of direct things. We performed several ceremonies and we were just interacting with people. And like my brother said, you're exercising a completely different muscle that you're not used to. Even us spiritually going to ceremonies and doing paranormal investigations. When you have literally hundreds of people coming into an environment and entering that world with you, it does get pretty draining and does wear on you.
0: And still got to give you a standing ovation. You did all this with almost no voice. At least that's, on the first that's
1: day. True. <laughs> yeah, so I, I ended up losing my voice up until this. So it was a funny story about that. I, my father had me help him do yard work, and we were burning weeds. And that was a big mistake that I ended up breathing a lot of that smoke and completely shot my voice all weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but, but what, I was, what I didn't ask you guys is, since it was your first uh, para-conference uh, together as, as the Unearthing the Supernatural team, did you guys? I didn't ask you. Did you guys experience this uh, uh, paranormal hangover a couple of days af- after you it was done?
3: Yeah, uh, we we asked all of our crew like how we're feeling. We do these wellness checkups for all of our crew whenever we do like these events like this, and it was definitely new compared to investigating because th- it was a really active location itself. But added on with that is you had all sorts of different kinds of people there as well who also bring in their emotions, their energies, their history, as well as their skills that they have in the paranormal world as well. So kind of combining all those together was a really interesting aspect. And we all kind of felt that too. We're just like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, just like, we're going to go do anything. It's like, no, I'm just going to stay at home and just kind of rest up for a little while after this Paracon. But it was definitely a lot of fun.
0: So. If especially after um, uh, an investigation, paracons, maybe, 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 maybe not, but especially after an investigation, uh, an intense one, when people feel this paranormal or supernatural funk or the hangover, um, how can they tell that if if it's just the, the normal hangover or if they brought an attachment or something that came back with them?
1: Well first of all when we go paranormal investigating we keep ourselves clean and make sure we don't take partake of any extra substances i guess like alcohol or any other kind of go go drugs <laughs> but uh for us us we have to really kind of pay attention to how we interact and the type of spirits we interact with and depending on that we'll really kind of we we kind of look at each other okay we know we're going to feel tired after this we know we're going to Kind of have our butts handed to us at the end of this investigation, depending on the type of entities and interactions that you have. Now, as far as for when you're done with this investi- when a, with an investigation, and then you're done, kind of feeling the funk, feeling the hangover, you can really tell if it's an attachment or not, depending on who you interacted with, as well as how long the effects linger. If they linger for more than a few days, more than what you kind of just use to get your rest and kind of get back on your circadian rhythm, then you know there's something else that's that's happening. There's something else that's still kind of stuck around with you. We at Unearthing Supernatural have several techniques and means to be able to have us bounce back pretty fast. That's where when we investigate, we like to go kind of back to back to different locations and we can afford to do that because of our protections and because of what we do to kind of have us bounce back. But I guess to answer your question, how you can really tell is if it lingers beyond a normal investigation funk, pretty much. And there is some telltale signs that he's moving around and feeling a presence that really shouldn't be there.
0: Yeah, if you start hearing voices or anything, it might be an attachment. Uh, how about on the, on the other side of that, uh, pre- pre- knowing that you're going to go into an investigation or, into a, or you're going to go to a paracon? What can someone do to to protect themselves from from getting attachments or from or prepare themselves for the for the uh, the paranormal hangover?
3: I think a lot of mental preparation and spiritual preparation does help out a lot, knowing that you're going to be going into a paracon or an investigation. So it's kind of like how to put it into easier per, uh, perspective is to think of it like, you're going into a sports game or a basketball game and you're about to perform in a, 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 some activity you have to do a warm up for your body you have to mentally get your mentally physically spiritually get your body ready to play a game now you have to do that but spiritually which is kind of differently so you can bring in meditation if you like right? either music is another good example and uh a ways that you can kind of prepare yourself is mentally bring up your morale in your body and your spirit to be able to be like okay you know we're going to be able to do this let's go ahead and do this and also for us as unearthing supernatural we do have a lot of native american techniques that do prepare us for say like spiritual interactions that we're going to be partaking in and uh, i'm pretty sure a lot of people out there with different backgrounds different religions do have their own steps that they take to prepare for uh an investigation
0: now, I've, I know a few people that this has happened to. I don't know if you, you guys have ever met uh, someone that this has happened to. But I've heard a lot of stories where at a paracon, that's where someone for whatever, it could be because of the energy that, that's there, that's when they discover that they are psychically gifted. If that happens, it's not the paranormal funk. It's your, your, your gift awakening. What are the first steps they should take when they discover like, hey, I, I'm psychically gifted?
1: So that's always a very exciting kind of moment because someone is truly realizing their potential, whatever it is inside them that unlocks it, whether it's a person or an energy or an event that technically unlocks that particular gift. It's an exciting moment, something that you should be happy for and really soak in the emotions of that because when you're spiritually unlocked, when you receive your gift, To us, it's a holy moment. To us, it's a sacred time because you have done whatever you needed to do, whether it's in your control or not. Something has happened to where now you, your spiritual antenna is pretty much activated. You're able to sense things, hear things, possibly see things, feel. You use your extra uh, senses to be able to interact with beings of another side or get the feelings of what's going on. And paranormal conventions or haunted locations kind of they can activate that that's where indigenous people would oftentimes go on either vision quests or they go to sacred sites they take the steps necessary to prepare themselves to go to these particular sacred areas knowing that they're going to interact with these energies and oftentimes have something unlocked or interact with beings beyond the physical plane so Definitely absorb it. Definitely kind of embrace the emotions, recognize all the feelings. Because when you step out of that area, when you step out of that plane, you're going to be kind of looking at yourself. Okay. How did I do that? What did I do to activate that? Because sometimes it'll turn on and it'll turn off. And you just kind of got to really find that little mojo, that little niche that you did to get that switch turned back on. And once you understand a little bit of that. Because if it's at a paranormal uh, convention or if you're at a a ghost hunt with some other people who are more knowledgeable about it, that's a perfect opportunity to reach out and branch out to someone to be like, Hey, I had an experience I've never felt before just now. Can you give me a little bit of guidance? And for the most part, most people should be able to at least point you in the right direction. Um, My biggest kind of um, advice when it comes to that is your gift got unlocked for a reason. So you can get some guidance from someone who knows a little bit more, but at the same time, the spirit, the entities, to us, the creator, gave this gift to you. Trust that. Listen to it. You don't always have to ignore it or run from it.
0: Yeah, great, great advice. And and we can go on for, you know, two hours on this, and and we probably will later on as the year goes on. uh, This could be an entire episode by itself. But there's a little bit there's a little bit of a, a a taste a feel what it's gonna be like when here and Sean clan come on to to be the uh, the paranormal consultants they'll they'll add their knowledge their wisdom what they know about whatever topic it is could it be like this something that I was just thinking about or could it be jumping up uh whatever the guests that come on talk about so before you guys get out of here before we get out of here for the week let everybody know where they can follow under the supernatural uh websites everything.
3: Yeah, so you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, and all of our episodes are on YouTube now. So if you want to be able to support our channel and support the group for funding for new investigations, new equipment, we do have an unearthingthesupernatural.com website that you can help uh, us financially if you want to buy some awesome UTS merch and support your favorite member. So yeah, go ahead and give us a follow, subscribe, and be sure to share all it to all your friends for paranormal perception
0: not a competition but i think you just started one pick your favorite members so if if you're just discovering unearthing the supernatural through this segment here go check it out watch everything but i i, I will say i'm a little biased cuz i love these guys but the the uh the season 2 finale definitely one of the most emotional and one of the most painful to watch especially if one of your favorites happens to be You'll see. You'll see who. Um, So there it is again here Sean Clint. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, uh, Have a great weekend. It is Friday as we're recording this. And hero to you, I'll say happy birthday. It is your birthday today. Also, thanks for taking time on your birthday to come on and give us and still talk paranormal and, and everything else. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Henry, for having us. And thank you for having us as paranormal consultants. We will do what we can to shed some light as to who we are as indigenous paranormal investigators and really bring about a new paranormal perception thank you henry
0: yeah so thanks you guys and for everybody else that's it that's the episode for this week next week i can tell you see i i I planned all the way through almost march actually next week we're gonna talk not the movie the actual poltergeist we're gonna talk about poltergeist and what are they why do they happen you want to know think you're experiencing one coming back next week you'll find out all about it everybody have a great weekend stay safe and we'll be back next week to give you a new perception and that on the paranormal was paranormal perception
3: the views and opinions heard on paranormal perception are those of the guests and host of the show factual statements are accompanied by backing data articles or other corroborating materials either stated on the show or included in the show description any views or opinions expressed on the show are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.
0: New episodes every Friday. Visit ParanormalPerception.show to listen. At Paraperception one on Twitter. At ParanormalPerception2 on Instagram. Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. Paranormal Perception was produced by 22Creations Multimedia, LLC.